Welcome to Scale and Bail with John Woolley and Ben Zawalski, presented to you by Innovate. This weekly podcast is designed for those of you that are looking for ways to be more efficient and effective in the gym without feeling like you have to max out every workout. We'll be covering topics relative to all aspects of fitness, and we'd love to spend time with you here each and every week, so get subscribed on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Now on to the show. Ben Jawalski, what's going on? Dude, every week you get better and better at pronouncing my I'm, obscure last name. I'm rolling the J now. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Jawalski. Jawalski. Now I'm getting good at it, dude. Getting good at it. I uh, I just got back from Mississippi yesterday and I'm exhausted. It was a super long drive, four day trip, you know, one day down there, one day back. So yeah. two days in state, but I got two workouts with old Roy and we did some scale and bail together. I did a lot of scale and he actually did a lot of bail. So that really worked out. <laughs> How old is Roy again? He turned 77 in a month or so. He's a savage dude. That's a awesome. total savage. We, uh, he's got this knee problem right now and he's wearing a brace on it and he's not, not going to go to the gym. He's still going. He's just not doing whatever's programmed. So he'll go He the second day. You know, I was doing this horrible, horrible workout partner wide. It was all burpees and snatches and clean and jerks. And it's like 30 minutes long and just relentless. And he couldn't do the burpees because he can't get down there with a the bad knee. So he, um, he's like, well, I'm just going to go do something on my own. So he worked for 30 minutes. So he did hundred calories on the assault bike and, bunch of dumbbell snatches and some rowing and just like and do burpees but can do dumbbell snatches i love it <laughs> yeah you know it's just, well you know it's, you know how those knee injuries are like or, oh, yeah, or yeah. you know little tweaks like there's always something where you you know you can't do can't go to the ground and get back up but you know he can oh, yeah he things. can hinge that's awesome yeah so you know he just he's putting in the work you know and so I he's not doing what's programmed but he's up there working you know kudos to him yeah it's so it's a crazy to to like he's getting in there and his like mindset is like i'm 77 i can do this and if i can't i'm just gonna modify it and then the amount of people that i know um you know relatives and stuff included that like they're like i'm old like i'm in my 50s i can't do that that's crazy and i'm just like ah it like it pains me because all i'm gonna do is like pull out this long rolodex this like huge list of people it's like this person's this old can do this. This person is this old. They can do this. This person is. And I just, I actually got on my parents. Uh, we were in Maine last week for a family vacation. Um, beautiful. All you Mainers out there. Beautiful, beautiful land, beautiful water. I went to CrossFit Breakwater. Um, and I think that's in Ellsworth, Maine. And I tried to get my mom and dad to come. Oh no, you can't, Bob. You know, just all this like I can't do it. I'm old, and I'm just like, yes, you can. Like I, I swear you can. And of course, went to the class. There was like three people older than them in the class, and I just I'm like, Ugh. I get, I get angry when it's I can't do something because I'm old, even though I don't have a leg to stand on because I am not particularly old yet. But I do have four gray hairs in my beard, and oh, poor thing, <laughs> and. I just I've seen so many incredible people like O'Roy say, no, I'm not going to let that be an excuse and I'm going to go make the most of it and, and do it. 
I tell you what I love about it. He's like the mayor of CrossFit. He like walks in the door and they're all shouting his name. They don't know who I am at all. Every time I visit, like the owner does, but for the most part, they don't know what I do. You know, that's awesome. I'm just old Roy's son, you know? And uh, yeah, but it's the community. I think that's the thing for me, for people that are, you know, seniors, you know, say he's beyond even masters at this point, you know, he's kind of in that seniors class and, and he's the only one up there that he said to me, he's like, oh, I ran into a guy this week at the gym that was 70. He's like, I've never seen anyone that old at the gym. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, Kind of give him a head nod. He's like, I yeah. see you. But he's created this community of people that he, you know, relates to and gets to spend time with. And I just think that's really cool and valuable for people. You know? I love it. I absolutely I, um, love it. I'm going to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, You Can. I was, they, so they sent me, have they sent you these little squeezies yet? The what little, the heck, uh, dude? Yeah. I want those. They came while I was out of town and I was at the gym and the you can't, I'm waiting for my, my shipment. Just <laughs> well, so check this out. So I get there and because I'm doing a drop in, uh, I don't know what the workout is beforehand. Right. So here's the workout, uh, 30 rounds, three deadlifts, 135 or 95 are the RXs, three burpees over the bar. Then you do 20 rounds of clean and jerks same weights and burpees three and three then you do 10 rounds of snatches same weights and burpees over the bar now it's partner wide i go you go so i do three and three and then you do three and three and we just go back and forth so it's really you know 15 rounds 10 rounds five rounds that's so interesting they started they started with the the like the easiest and ended with the hardest that seems that seemed inverted to me but anyway well, Wait, continue. Yeah, well, so that was the thing. So I get this partner, and it was this dude I used to go to middle school with, for, which was really kind of obscure and funny. But uh, yeah, it was really funny. And uh, I, 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 we got ready to start, and he's and he goes and gets forty fives. I'm like, "What are you doing, bro? What are you doing?" He's like, well, "We're going to RX this." I'm like, yeah, "No, <laughs> no." This thing ends with snatches. This is a thirty minute plus workout, or yeah. real close to it, like. Like you're smoked by the time you get to yeah. the snatches. I'm like, it's a lot of burpees. Any way you look at it, it's a lot of work. I'm like, let's do 115. He's like, all right. And then it occurred to me I had not eaten. And and I, so I'm just scavenging my bag for a UK, for can, And I didn't have any. And I was so mad because this stuff is awesome, dude. So when you get these little... What, is, what is it? Well, so, and it's probably obscured. It's censored yes. on, the, on the video. I know it looks censored because of my background. <laughs> all right, there it is. So uh, it's called Edge to Go. And so they're little squeezy bottles. And these are strawberry banana. It's 15 grams of the super starch. So they're just like oh, the bars good. that we've been talking about. And just like the protein energy is exactly the same stuff, but it's 70 calories per packet. So I took one today before my workout. I did a, did a strength cycle of um, two back squats, increasing weight. It was ended up being like eight sets. And then I did basically a 10-minute Metcon and then a 25-minute bike ride. So, you know, it was, um, yeah, I don't even know how many minutes that was in total, but it was plenty. It's mm-hmm. absolutely plenty and powered right through. Like it never hit the wall. This stuff is great. And it ta- this tastes really good, like really good. Cause you don't have to mix it. Like I suck at mixing things, you know, like I'm just not the blender bottle guy. I always end up with the chunks of whatever and this <laughs> you don't have to worry about. So it's like a nice, nice. little, nice little smoothie pack. So I'm ready to utilize those for mountain biking. That is going to be my jam. Yeah, they're and they're super portable and easy to travel with. So yeah. you get twenty percent off. Use code scale at yukon.co, yukon.co, and links in my bio. Just go in the website. Just go uh, pick them up. 
they're great. So love it. Uh, other thing I want to talk about, we talked about this in the last one, but but they're still doing the fundraising is forging youth resilience as their ignite fundraiser. I did that workout the other day and it sucked. <laughs> it was fun though. So here was the workout. I'll tell you how I scaled it. We'll work it into our kind of our scaling bell. Tell me if I scaled it right. So the workouts, a 17 minute time cap, 20 burpees, 150 double unders, 80 ab mat sit-ups, 60 wall balls to a 10 foot target, 40 body weight alternating lunges, 20 power cleans, 135 or 95, and a 200 meter row cash out. That was the workout. Okay. So what I ended up doing, because I did this in my basement and it still sucked. Now I, I'm going to be honest. Like I looked at this, I'm like, all right, that's, I thought it was like a 12 minute workout probably. And I was grossly mistaken. So what I did was I did the 20 burpee buy-in. And so instead of 150 double unders, I got, have you seen um, RX rope sells these uh, rope trainers? And so they have knots on the end. It's like a heavy rope, but with knots on the end. And so you have two separate ropes, one for each hand. And you. Oh yeah. So it's, you're like practicing the spin, but you can't trip. Yeah, exactly. So I did 150 of those, which by the way, are actually kind of harder than double unders for whatever that's worth because the rope's heavier. So you're just smoking your shoulders and wrists. Yeah. yeah. And but they never get... spit, they never spin together. It's always like some awkward. I have <laughs> like the I have the jump and rope version of that with the little wiffle balls in the end of it. And it's just like honestly, I think these are way harder than double unders, but other people don't agree. Well, I can actually get these to spin together for whatever that's worth. Um oh, wow. but but I hear what you're saying. Like they they definitely feel harder than double unders. You don't have to jump yeah. as high, but man, like it's rough. Mm-hmm. And then I did 80 admet setups as prescribed. And because I can't do wall balls in the basement, here's where it got harder. I did 60 thrusters with a barbell at 35 pounds. And that sucked a lot, mm-hmm. like really mm-hmm. hard. Uh, and then I did the body weight lunges. And then for the 20 power cleans, I scaled the weight down to 115 and then did the 200 meter row cash out. So that's what I did. How long did it take you? uh 1529 seems like you scaled it well i think so i mean i came in under the time cap it was what sucked about it though was you know how you like you know the time cap 17 and you look at the clock and you're at 14 minutes you're like oh crap (laughs) like it's gonna be close i need to get moving i gotta start moving i was in the cleans and i like looked at the the clock and I'm at 14 minutes. I'm like, man, I can't stop. I got to go. Like I got to start moving. This sucked. Yeah. But uh, anyway, forging youth resilience is doing this ignite uh, workout, formerly Steve's club, raising money for young people, helping them build physical and mental strength and uh, really, really cool group. So you can go uh, to forging youth resilience on their Instagram page and you can donate. They're trying to raise $90,000 and doing a real good job of it. I might add, and just a really, really great charity. So check Fantastic. them out. Um, actually on that note, that's exactly who I'm going to donate to now. It's a really good idea. I just came up with the idea. Um, wad prep is running. We're doing like an online competition. Uh, we do it now. This will be our second year of the October open and it's great for scale and bail listeners because we have basically all of the divisions you could possibly have. We have, we have an RX, we have a scaled and we have a light equipment version. So think like more body weight, very minimal equipment um, workouts. And then each one of those has all of the divisions all the way up to 65 plus for old Roy. Um, there, we have not implemented the 75 to 80 year old division yet. Uh, but at some point we will. Um, 
But when you register for the October Open, 100% of the proceeds are going to a nonprofit. And I just decided it's going to be, it's going to be Steve, or formerly known as Steve's Club, Forging Youth Resilience. That's who we're going to give it to. Um, so let's, let's talk about this because I actually had a question from a listener about the Open and I wanted to talk about the Wide Prep Open. So here's yeah. the question and I, maybe you can answer it through what you guys are doing, but I want to talk a little bit about the CrossFit Open too. So this came from Jeff King. Uh, 501 says Instagram handle says question for the podcast. How important is doing the open? I'm 46. I've been doing CrossFit a long time and went to regionals eight years ago. Sounds like a fit dude. Yeah. Uh, these days I have no interest in the open or handstand circus tricks for time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Jeff, that was great. Yeah. He said, well, he's a little bit more. So I said, I've been at gyms where they constantly nag members to sign up for the open and I just don't want to do it anymore. Why mm-hmm. so many gems care about the open so much? So good question. Jeff, Jeff, you are you are the quintessential grumpy OG CrossFitter. <laughs> which is which I which like I have mad respect for because like I've been there, done that, man. Uh, and frankly, if my if my business wasn't so integrated into the sport and if I didn't promote the open so much, um I I probably at some point would fall into that the old grumpy OG or the OG, not old, but like old CrossFitter, you know, like you, you've, you've been doing CrossFit for quite some time, which obviously it sounds like you have. So for you specifically, like if I'm, if I'm the coach at your gym, I'm still going to nag you to try to register for the open because maybe not so much for you, but you joining in on the festivities and participating and having fun. Um, I love it when I get to see people who work at the early morning class throw down at Friday night lights. Like it kind of like we all come together as a community. And it, and for me, it feels like it's the strongest time for a gym community wise. Now, that being said, if the gym owner is like, you must register, pay the money and sign up and enter your scores and, val- and we'll validate it. Like if they're like getting all excited and and antsy about the actual like the actual scoring of the open itself and you don't care about it, that I think that's kind of silly. But like for me, as if I was still a gym owner, I would just get really excited to help people or I would try to encourage people to do the open simply because it always, whether you care about it or not, you're always going to try just a little bit harder in the open workouts. Uh, and it's fun to measure yourself um, against yourself, whether it's former scores or measure yourself against the rest of the gym. I don't care. But the main thing for me is it's, it's all about like that community. So I think that's where maybe you're getting frustrated potentially is like this gym owner who really, really wants the community to thrive and for them to come together and to maybe do a Friday night lights or a Saturday throwdown and just like bring everyone together for these three weeks. That's what they're looking for. That's why they're pushing it so hard. Cause I remember those were some of my favorite moments as a gym owner when everybody was there cheering on this guy as he got his first double under and, and, you know, completed his first RX workout. But on the opposite side of that same coin, I totally feel you like, Hey, I've been there, done that. I have no desire to compete in CrossFit anymore, which is myself included. And because I don't compete, like I don't want to be stressed out by something that should never, ever bring me stress. And therefore I'm not going to register for the open. Like I totally understand that side of the spectrum. So um, while there is no answer here, 
Is it important that you register for the open? Maybe not for you specifically, but maybe ask your gym owner why they really want you to. And if it's like, cause you can do really well and get a great score. It's like, don't care. But if it's because we love it when you show up to the Friday night lights and, and you know, a lot of our younger members look up to you and you're so much fitter than them. And yada, you know, it's like, they really love seeing you. It, like if it's community side of things and I, I might reconsider and be like, Hey, I can, I can do this. That's yeah, my I, rant. I have a couple of reasons why I think people should do the open. Um, I don't love the open. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't look forward to it. I don't get excited about it necessarily, but I, the reason why I think people should do it is what else are you training for? Like training is training. The open is your test, right? Yeah. So like if you're competing every single day, you go to the gym, you are doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that it, number one, it's the the opposite of everything we try to talk about here on this podcast. But number two, I just don't think it's healthy. Like if you're going in every day and you're going to that red line and it's all about intensity day in and day out and not about developing skills and building strength and, you know, building your endurance and, and all those things that go with it. I just think you're doing it wrong. I think you, you you train through the year, you practice. We've talked about that multiple times, right? We're talking about practice, you know, four or five days a week. And then once or twice a year, you have a test. No mm-hmm. different than if you're testing your one rep max. Like, how do you know what percentages work off if you don't test your one rep max? If you yeah. tested them every day, you'd be an idiot. And this is really <laughs> no different to me, you know? Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's important to do the test to see how you stack up. Now, whether you want to pay the 20 bucks and put your name on the leaderboard, that's up to you. Yeah. And I think that's where like, I am totally agreeing to there. It's like, like what, what's so wrong about doing it? Like it's fun. And why, like, why is it making you grumpy about it? Like, why are you like, I hate being nagged to register. (laughs) But if, if, if they're like registering because, or if you're not wanting to do it because it's like, Oh, this kind of like, like all of a sudden I get, I know when I register for the open, I still like kind of like lose a little bit of sleep sometimes going into the Friday workouts, which is so silly because I like fundamentally don't care about my scores anymore, but I'll still like, you know, like I'll still kind of like it just naturally that competitor in me, like sort of takes it seriously. And then naturally that adds a little bit of stress and anxiety to my life. So if you're trying to just live a life free of that stress and anxiety, because you know you would, as a former competitor, go all in. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from there. So what would it take to still be involved in your gym's open and then also not have any pressure to, like, quote, unquote, perform at your best and have that performance anxiety? That could maybe be, um, it's hard to know in such a short question, like, where you're coming from, but that could be it. And I've, I've felt it before. I mean, I, I, I remember a couple of years in Japan, like, I really while running wild prep and doing everything like I would still like freak out about like my open score and like it would it would it would drive me crazy you know trying to optimize everything and trying to get some of the best scores in Japan and trying to do like qualify for stuff and it was just like oh this is a lot of stress and then one year I was just like I'm not going to register but I'm still going to participate and then voila miraculously I didn't have that performance anxiety I think the other thing that comes from doing the open that you do during the open that you don't normally do is if your gym has a Friday night lights, which most of them do, or, you know, it tends to be that, you know, because gyms only have a select amount of equipment and, 
you know, CrossFit has this unique ability of throwing implements in that gyms don't have a lot of, so they have to run in shifts, you know? Yeah. And plus you need judges. So you kind of have to run in shifts because you need people to judge. Yeah. So what ends up happening is you sit on the sidelines and you watch people and you watch how they break it down. And then you start learning how you should and shouldn't do a workout. And I think it's invaluable kind of teaching time where you're observing and like we rarely observe a class if you're not a coach, you know? And so like I have found myself over the years, you know, people come off the floor, uh, you know, tell me what you did. How did you break it up? Why did you do it that way? How did it feel? And then I'll ask the next person and then I make my decision and I screw it up and I go do it a second time and realize I should have listened to the first person, you know, but that's how you learn. And so I think it's really important at a minimum to show up for the Friday night lights and, and take that valuable observation time to start understanding um, the nuances of where you should and shouldn't break up workouts. And to the point of this podcast, maybe even where you should scale, like in last year's open, I RX, there were th- obviously three workouts. I RX two of them and I scaled one mm-hmm. because I had done one before and I knew I had no business RXing it. But that was a learned lesson from a previous open. And mm-hmm. without that learning lesson, like it's hard to hard to understand. And so I think it's yeah. important to to get out there. Why should people do the wide prep open though? Besides they were, you know, giving you money. Because we're giving money to a great cause. <laughs> um, why should they why should they register for the wide prep open? So a couple things. For those of us. Jeff, I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you to join and register for the Wad Prep Open. But for those of us who are excited about the prospect of testing your fitness, because we're kind of like, I guess we're over halfway there to the Open. If you want to have a good chance to test your fitness before the holidays kind of get crazy, this is a great test. We have five tests, as TDC would say, the Dave Dave Casho. We have five tests. Tests. The five tests will <laughs> test your fitness. That's the worst. I can do cash <laughs> impression ever. Worst cash store impression ever. I actually have. I shot a video for the for the whole crew uh, to announce like to announce that the open was starting, um, and apparently it got great feedback. So, um, are you going to block me now? Then then it would be a great cash store impression. Uh, yeah. No, I'm going to block you too, and then it'll okay. complete my vibe. Um, but no, so it's going to be, we have five different workouts. We're releasing them all on the same day. And then you have a week to complete five workouts. The five workouts are going to test a whole bunch of different, basically like we try to make it so that it's it's testing the things that you would tend to see in the open for the division that you would register for in the open this year. So if you're scaled in the 40 to 44 division, like the workouts that we write for that division are going to be very similar to past workouts of the open. We're not copying those workouts. And what's cool is coach CJ always makes them uh, pretty fun. He's uh, our head programmer. He always writes some really interesting combos. Um, and the bottom line is you can see where you stack up against people all around the world, have some fun. And then we're not offering prizes for winners or losers or anything like that. We're randomly drawing, depending on how many people enter, we're randomly drawing more and more and more people for various random prizes from you know, gift cards to wad prep stuff to all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's more of just, it's for fun. And it would be a great idea if you're like, hmm, how's my training going? Like, can I actually perform in a competition workout and hit muscle ups? Uh, can I actually do double unders when when my score is on the line? 
then this is a great way just to test it out and compete against wad prep people and scale and bail people from all over the world. So we would love to have you come join us. And it starts on October 24th is when we're announcing the workouts. And then the 25th is when they, the re, like the actual scoring opens up. So it's from the 25th through the 1st of November. So 25th of October through the 1st of November. And uh, it is only $12. So that's kind of a no brainer. There you go. Oh, that sounds like a sounds like a good time. I like the idea of testing yourself before the holidays, before you get into turkey and stuffing. That's my thought. But I, it makes total sense. Hold on. <laughs> Here's the link for everyone listening. Wadprep.com slash OCT dash open dash sign dash up. So oct open sign up with dashes in the middle of it. Um, Maybe basically, just- we'll include them in the show notes. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll just put it in the show notes and I'll drop a link in my bio and we'll call it a day. Cool. Right. Yeah, we'd love to have you. Shoot me a DM on Instagram if you register and I'll, you know, maybe I'll give you a hint at what the first workout is. Maybe not. All right. Though. Long story short, do the open of some sort, test your fitness occasionally. All right, next question. This one comes from Eddie. Uh, so Eddie says, podcast topic in your, in all capital letters opinion, which endurance equipment is best for everyone in general? Rower, ski erg, bike erg, assault bike, maybe echo bike, and the differences. All brand new. They cost about $1,000, so that's fine. Looking forward to seeing if this gets talked about. So when you think about the, let's skip you know, it. You know, the mono equipment. We'll know, just skip it just because we talked about it, but we're not going to answer it. <laughs> now, which one, which one do you like? If you had to pick one, I think this is a common question. I've had people ask me this a lot. Like, you know, they, people don't have endless amount of money to drop on gear. Yep. And, and you go, all right, I got to buy one. And just I know one. exactly which one I'm doing. Want to say it on the count of three? See if we yeah. say the same thing. All right. You ready? One, yeah. two, three, assault bike. Assault bike. Yeah. Did we? Yeah, did we? I, we did. I said assault no, bike. No, I don't did think so. I think bike? you just waited to hear what I was leading with. That was that was so. I was about to do the Step Brothers quote where it's like, uh, what if John Samos or whatever, whatever it was. I forget what the quote was. Is it really no. yours? Assault bikes, the one you would have? Yeah, yeah. I, or Echo. I mean, I'm I'm kind of indifferent there. I know Assault has they made a more durable version of their bike. I will admit the Rogue Echo is a freaking tank. That's what I have here at the studio. So I me, feel like I could beat you. it with a with a sledgehammer and it would uh-huh. still function perfectly fine. Well, let me ask you, why not the rower? Because that, you know, the rower is yeah. the OG of CrossFit. Like that was the For first sure. thing to come in way before even the bike and or at least in gyms. For but, sure. Uh, why not the rower? Um, so hmm, why not the rower? I guess what I should have asked, as it's always an it depends thing, is like, what are you trying to do? Are you like are you trying to get a piece of equipment so that you can do more workouts that are written in CrossFit? In which case, then definitely get the rower because that's more common and well, it's also a standard in the open. So I think people that. are trying to get the most for their money. Yeah. So like, if you're trying to like just get really good workouts in, like, and you're just like, hey, I just want to work out and, and buy a piece of cardio equipment that can kick my butt. Um, I think there's nothing better than the assault bike simply because like it's not just legs, like it's legs and arms in a way that I think is more comprehensive and easier to do for a very long period of time than something like a rower. Um, the rower is like, I mean, my butt goes numb faster on the rower. 
The rower is lots of posterior chain uh, and just a li- like a little bit of an actual row with your arms. The assault bike, I think we're just moving our levers or we're moving our body. We're moving our arms and legs longer. Um, and I can say with absolute certainty and confidence, if you write a workout, here's a workout for you. Every minute on the minute, do 20 seconds of all out sprint on either machine, both of which could kill you because that's a terrible workout. Don't do that. Um, for 10 minutes, you can try it. Everyone at home, try it. Let me know how it goes. But full all out sprint for 20 seconds. I assure you that assault bike is going to leave you more dead, more physically and cardiovascularly exhausted than the rower will just because you can put more effort and energy into the bike because it's continuous tension. The rower, you have the catch. Like there's always that, like you're, there's a point where you are not doing work on the row. There is no point where you are not working with a bike. I've always felt you can cheat the rower too, to some degree. I mean, like I have, uh, without getting too complex here, like I have three or four different ways I can row, mm-hmm. you know, depending on like how I position myself to make it easier yeah. or harder, uh, where I can't do that on the bike. Like the bike just sucks everywhere you do it. Yeah. I also think the bike is far more flexible in what you can do. Like you can ride it for time, you can sprint, you can do intervals, you can do long distance. Like there's so many different things you can do. And I know you can do that all that on the rower as well, but sprinting on the assault bike is far different from a cardiovascular and, and, you know, and what it does to your central nervous system and, and your lungs and your heart rate and everything so much different on the bike than on the rower. And it's even different than what you do on the ski erg or the bike erg. Like I have all of these pieces of equipment in my house. I test them all, all the time. Um, the one I hate the most is the assault bike. Cause it's the hardest of the four, right? Like I can ride that C2 bike for, you know, if you said, John, get on it and ride it for two hours. I know I could yeah. right now. And I would not even be walking funny when it was done. Like it's, you just get on and pedal. You know? and if I, so if I told you right now to go absolutely 100% as hard as you could for 60 seconds, and see how each machine leaves you feeling both from a heart rate perspective and just physically, you know, exhaustion perspective, the, the assault bike or the, you know, like the air bike, whether it's assault or echo is going to be the hardest one. (laughs) It just, it is the hardest one. Um, And that is why, and also I would say it's probably one of the lowest maintenance ones because with the concept twos, whether it's the ski erg or the, um, the rower, there's a spring in there that like, I don't know if you've ever been like on a dead rower um, where at some point over time, it will wear out very difficult for someone at a garage gym to put enough miles and, and meters on it for that to happen. But the bike just, it's a, it's a simple mechanism. It just kind of works. So I do think the assault bike and echo bike are different. The differences for me, I've rode both of them this weekend. Actually, I catch a lot of grief from people because I consistently say, I think the assault bike's harder. Um, it's probably not the right way to word it, but it certainly is a different stimulus. Like the echo bike doesn't run on a chain. It runs on, it's belt driven. And so it's much smoother. It's more like the C2 bike in that regard. Yeah. Very smooth. You know? So it's just like, it's a really smooth ride to your point. It's built like a tank. Like the thing's as big as my house. <laughs> it is. It's gigantic. It's so big. Um, it's, it's enormous. Yeah. And don't let anyone tell you bigger is better. Take note. Um, but, but it's hard. Like it's a very, it's difficult and it's like any other air bike. Like it's as hard as you want to put into it. Yeah. 
I just, I like the assault bike better. It feels like it has almost like a second gear because it's chain driven when you're pedaling, like you can, you can feel it when you're coming back around. So you can, my point is you can't lollygag on it. Like I can sit on that echo bike and pedal slow and like kind of sit there for a while. And it doesn't feel that much different than my C2 bike with the assault bike. I can't really do that. Like if I drop the, you know, the Watts down to, you know, or the RPMs down to 250 or 300, it's still hard. <laughs> It's still mm-hmm. difficult, you yeah. know, and you're like, your legs start to get tired. So I prefer the assault bike. I really love the skier though. Like, yeah, if you have the extra money to get one, I think they're, it's a great, great alternative in a home gym. Gives you something. And it's definitely, like, it's definitely like a movement pattern that we don't do very much of either. Like the only thing I could think of that like kind of sort of simulates a ski erg maybe hinging like down rather than up i don't know i mean i guess it would be like a toaster bar right like i mean it's just it's a very cool interesting movement pattern well i wanted something where i could do pulling because i can't do rope climbs right and so i wanted i wanted that movement i also wanted something that was wildly varied from everything else that i do and there's nothing else like it in that regard and the thing's hard man that thing will wear you out fast <laughs> like yeah. really really fast the first uh here's a um an admission um this is a secret that i haven't told many people Ooh. i have only <laughs> up until i was in uh at bobby's house for the master's fitness collective i had never ever once used a ski erg in a workout I like been to gyms that had them, but they'd never been programmed. And then my gym never had one. Like the, all the ones I've been members of never had one. So my first time ever using a skier was uh, acid bath because in order to go to Bobby's house, he has like this nice house on the lake with the pickleball courts and stuff like that. The cash in for going to his house is acid bath. He's like, Oh, you're here. You got to do acid bath. Yeah. Can't drink my beer until you do acid bath. And I had already had two beers. So I did CJ and I did acid bath and we actually kind of crushed it. And it was my first time ever doing um, a ski erg and like in the middle of the workout, I'm like, am I doing this right? Like I, I get made. That's fun. why we now have no videos on ski ergs. None. Yeah, I am not great on the ski erg. I just kind of tolerate myself just for the listeners. What is acid bath? Exactly. Oh man, I'm, I'm going to blow it. Um, let me actually look it up to make sure I have it right. But it starts with a skier acid bath workout. Well, and it's all implements, right? It's like skier, uh, assault yeah. bike. Yeah. So yeah. five, uh, 500 meter skier, 500 meter row, 1000 meter biker. Oh, well, a thousand biker is not that like I can, that part wouldn't kill me, but the other, right. But at the end of this, of the skier in the row, Oh, it was nasty. And they had a, they had a cap on it too. It was like, um, like the, the thing that they were, I think maybe joking about, maybe they weren't, but it was literally just like, Hey, if you don't like, if you don't get sub five minutes and 30 seconds, like you time cap, you got to do it again, you know? And it's, like, it's just like, and you have to like immediately get back up and go back to the other machine and do it again. And I'm like, what? So I basically CJ and I put our lives in the line and we made it happen, but it was great. It was a good time. Well, there you go. All right. Well, and the skier was very fun. Our unanimous opinion sounds like on uh, on this podcast is a salt bike. So go and it's cheaper than a rower for whatever it's worth. You can get an assault bike for what six ninety nine, seven hundred bucks. Really? Yeah, pretty sure. The uh, I think if I'm remembering right, the assault bike's like six ninety nine, and the Echo is seven fifty. 
I'm pretty sure. And what they never talk about, uh, but they'll do, because we know Tracy who owns a salt bike, they refurb those things for you. So like if your salt bike is dead, they'll refurb the whole thing for like 300 bucks. Instead of buying a new bike, they'll just send you a new one for like 300 bucks or 350 or something. She's going to yell That's at me awesome. if I have that price wrong. So don't quote me on that price, everybody, but they'll have a lot of angry. He charged, she charged me $400. Yeah. Well, they'll absolutely take care of you though. And it's yeah. certainly cheaper than buying a brand new bike when they still will give you a brand new bike. So it's very cool stuff. Love it. Okay, next question. This one comes from Lauren uh, something. I can't pronounce her last name. So Lauren uh, Bogus, I think. All right. So looks like she's caught up. She goes, I have a question for you. I'd love to hear y'all talk about the realities and best practices for early morning workouts. Oh my God, I did that for seven years. Uh, for yep. context, my husband and I, 40 and 39, work full-time and have busy active schedules. Our three teen and tween kids so the reality of life is that we are going to consistently, that if we are going to consistently exercise, it has to be at 5 a.m. That translates mm -hmm. into getting up at 4.30 with our drive to the gym. We had to adjust a lot. Our bedtime is 8.30 to 9. And we have to really pay attention to when we eat dinner, et cetera. It also means that it seems like we don't have the mobility we used to have later in the day. Sometimes I feel like I have to choose between sleep and warming up. Sure. Anyway, we've been doing this for close to a year. It feels like we're settled in, but I'm sure there's a lot more to learn. Yeah. I think the key there is like that end part. She said they have to choose between sleep and warming up. And I feel that. I feel that in my old bones. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So what, um, get, what tips do you have for Lauren to uh, make that choice? Yeah. So it's so interesting. It's like, you know, I feel like, um, you know, it takes longer to warm up, not as mobile. There's actually some truth behind that uh and same with strength like you're you we're not as strong they've done studies tests whatever we're like we're not as strong at five in the morning you know right after getting up when compared to like mid-morning or early afternoon um i think there's from what i understand it's like a hydration thing a lot of times it's like we we can only hydrate so much like you wake up at 4 30 you can't just like chug a gallon right. of water and electrolytes and stuff like that and immediately have it assimilate and you know just that would be ridiculous um so there is something to working out really really early in the morning is not optimal for performance if you're like trying to maximize a score or how you feel you know like you're not going to feel as good but that's not to say that it's not still a great time to do it if the only time like you have identified is working out really in the early in the morning, then that's that's definitely the time to do it. Working out is better than not working out at all. Now, in terms of of asking the question or answering the question, um, you know, should you choose between working out and sleep? That's very much case dependent. Like, so for me, I try not to let myself go a couple days of sleep deprivation, like one or like a day or two. Or like I don't get optimal sleep and I prioritize working out. Sure, that's okay. Like last night I didn't sleep very well, but I promised my my buddies uh, Peyton and Derek that I was going to get up and do a, a six a.m. class with them, and I did. And did I was it maybe suboptimal because I didn't sleep my full eight hours and I just had a really rough night last night? Um, maybe, but I, it was so much fun to get in there and throw down with them. Now, would I do that consistently five days a week? No way, because at some point. The, the benefits that you're achieving in the gym are completely negated 
if you're if you're ignoring your sleep hygiene. So similar to what we talked about with with um, Dr. Justine on the podcast when when Justine and CJ were here, the only way like the place where you get fitter is not in the gym. It's the subsequent recovery after the gym. Like that's where the actual regaining of fitness takes place. So if you're constantly limiting your recovery in order to exercise, then you're, you're sort of running on a treadmill. You don't need to run on. It'd be better if you worked out maybe a couple times less per week and then prioritize sleep those two days that you didn't work out. So it's very much an, it depends. It's a double-edged sword. Obviously the best of both worlds is to do like you're doing 8.30, 9 p.m., try to go to bed, try to eliminate those electronics, allow yourself that time for your body to adjust and have your circadian rhythm adjust, which it sounds like it probably already has in a sense. Get your sleep and get the workout in. That's the double whammy. Um, and then the last thing I would say is that don't beat yourself up if you're if you're like not feeling the performance. Like, oh man, like I, f- I feel like I'm not as mobile or I feel like I can hardly you know, lift the weight that I used to. That's okay. Don't compare yourself at 5 a.m. to yourself at the perfect optimal, you know, noon workout. They're two different people and you just need to like compare yourself to your 5 a.m. self and you can set new PRs if you want, even if they're morning PRs. I don't think you need to quite go that far, but I have seen it personally, the amount of weight that I can lift when I was working out here at Watt Prep during uh, the pandemic at five in the morning compared to what I could lift just in the afternoon, it's night and day, but I didn't beat myself up. It's for me, it's all about that consistency. And as long as I'm getting in and I'm also prioritizing that recovery, that rest aspect, and I feel like I'm, I'm putting coins into both of those piggy banks, that's how I know that I'm, I'm, I'm making the right move in the right direction. I'd look at a couple of things. Uh, you know, I don't have their schedule here, but I would look, I would number one, make sure that my rest days were during the week, not on Saturday and Sunday, assuming they're not, they don't work on the weekends, right? And I'm making some assumptions here. And I say that because I think sleep and rest is far more important than getting those workouts in. And so if you take your rest days, you know, let's say you take them Tuesday, Thursday, or, you know, whatever days you want to take them, you can, you know, arguably sleep in a little those days and, and catch up on your rest. I think that's important. Uh, it also limits the number of days that you have times where you're not going to be able to warm up. Uh, and so that both of those things would help. Uh, and then on the weekend, you can obviously spend more time warming up and like kind of focusing on those things that are important to you. Um, the other thing I would think about is on the days that I'm getting up early scale more than you think you need to. So an example of that, like I make a joke all the time that the first round is my warm up. And on those totally. days, I, yeah. And when I'm getting up at 5 a.m., the first round might be your warm up. It's not yeah. a joke. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. And we I did think, it this morning squatting. We literally like it was four rounds of or six sets of back squats. And it was like the first two sets because we had to keep participating in the class. My buddy Derek and I were like way under the percentage that was prescribed because like, hey, we're still warming up. <laughs> we're still getting on this. Well, yeah. And I think that's important, you know, to give, give yourself some grace. And so, you know, if you look at, you know, if you were just looking at a workout and I'm, it doesn't matter what the workout is, but let's say the RXs are 135 and 95, and you might normally scale those to 115 and 75. On those days that I can't warm up enough, I'm going to scale them 95 and 45. Yep. Right. And, and think about, all right, I'm, I'm not going to, 
you know, judge myself so harshly that I'm going, you know, quote unquote, lighter than I normally would. I'm looking at it as why well, I didn't have as much time to warm up. I'm reducing the chance of injury. I'm, I'm using this as a time to focus on mobility and good movement and range of motion and, you know, really focusing on good movement over, you know, strength building as an example, or even mm-hmm. speed building, mm-hmm. because you can focus on that then on Saturday and Sunday. You know, Mm -hmm. when you are better rested and better fueled. Uh, And then the last thing I would look at is, you know, she mentioned uh, having to really look at their nutrition. I might talk to a nutritionist about what's the best way to fuel for those. Like you've got to make that decision. Am I going to go in early in the morning and work out fasted? You know, am I going to, you know, take one of these little you can squeezies beforehand, you know, or some sort of protein shake or something prior to going in? Like what's going to keep me fueled and yeah. and prepared to go? For me, it's always the thing I always did at 5 a.m. that was I always felt was foolproof or just worked for me was coffee and a banana every time. Like mm-hmm. it was just perfect for me, but that works for me. It doesn't mean it's yeah. gonna work for them. Um you I I would definitely see you know, definitely talk to a nutritionist, but also Test it yourself too. I mean, like I wouldn't recommend like chugging a beer first thing in the morning, like probably not the right move, but take a couple of these options, like training fasted. Like I've trained fasted for a really long time, fasted with coffee. That was it. Just coffee fasted. And sure enough, longer Metcons, like longer, like really grindy ones, especially like more hero workouts. I'd cramp. Like I just start cramping because I was probably a little underhydrated, even though the first thing I do when I wake up is drink a bunch of water under high, just something wasn't right there. Like my body just clearly was signaling something is not fueled properly, even though a lot of times I eat really big dinners. Uh, And then I started uh, actually thanks to my buddy, Derek, because we were training really early during the pandemic. We just, he would just make oatmeal. And I was like, bro, bring me some oatmeal. And he would bring me oatmeal and I would, we'd eat it on the way. And I would crush, crush that, you know, simple, or I guess complex carbohydrate with bananas in it. And we'd be good to go. And I never cramped. So it was just like, you could do it just as easily with one of the squeeze, squeeze go pouches or one of the, the, you can cherry bars, which are delicious. And I've eaten every single one of them. Uh Um, But just some form of carbohydrate, I think is, is a big one that really helps and has been shown to help right before a workout. Um, And then, Hey, if you're, if you're good working out fast, fasted, there's nothing wrong with that either. I would just test it yourself. I would stay away from fatty foods peanut butter, uh, you know, things that are harder to digest that might slow you down. You're already going to be slower early morning. Like don't make it harder on yourself to have your body digesting a bunch of food prior to working out. But again, talk to a nutritionist. I'm not a nutritionist. I just know it works for me. All right. Last question. This one comes from Anna Geffert. She says, hi there. Absolutely hate the podcast. Awesome. So, so much so that I was the first to like the new episode on YouTube. I have two questions for you. Number one, do you have any tips for holding paces specifically on the rower or C2 bike? And number two, how do you deal with big PRs? Might sound like a weird question, but after changing my programming in April, I've made an immense progress. And now the beginning of the second block, I struggle to adjust to the new percentages. That's a really interesting question because I don't ever have a I've have all these big PR problems. So I'll be interested to hear your take on that. But when we start, I've with been the, having big PR problems for years. Yes, <laughs> let's let's start with the tips on holding paces, specifically on a rower or seat to bike. I do this a lot, so I can talk about this. Okay, you first. All right, me first. Uh, first. I would say treat it like a skill because 
a lot of times like with raw strength movements, like a deadlift or a squat or monostructure movements, like a, like running, rowing, skier, things like that. People don't view them as a skill. Um, it is a skill to hold and maintain and also a physical feat, but it is a skill to hold and maintain a pace consistently on those devices. And one thing that, I mean, I am, I used to have horrible problems with the rower specifically where I would like come out hot and then it would go slow for three minutes and then I could pick it back up and it was just all over the place. So what you have to do is you have to practice. Um, and the way that we do that, and we have this inside of Wad Prep's endless engine course is like you start with it, with a pace that should be very like relatively easy for you to hold, but just practice holding it. So like for me, holding like a 155 pace in the rower, that's, it's pretty easy for me and should be, but just simply holding it without allowing myself to go faster and without allowing myself to slow down, keeping the strokes the same, just trying to really hone in on keeping my form exactly the way it is every single stroke that in itself is a skill. And then an endless engine, what we do is we gradually drop that number. So, um, like, uh, a common example is like row a 500 meter repeat or something like that at your 2k pace. So if I row a 2k and let's say eight minutes, just to make the math easy, then my 2k pace is two minutes per 500 meters. So if you're doing 500 meter repeats at your 2k pace, you'd be doing 500 meter repeats where you're specifically rowing at that two, you know, where it shows on the screen for the rower specifically the two minutes per 500 meter pace, right? Hopefully that makes sense. I know I'm like, you know, throwing numbers out and it's confusing my brain, but hopefully not yours. But basically once we get good or practice doing repeats and hitting those same numbers, like within a second or two of each other, then we just start gradually working our way down. And then eventually, because you've honed that skill, you'd have the movement pattern, right? Eventually you'll be able to hold it at a higher intensity, just like all the gymnastic movements, just like everything else we do in CrossFit, you develop the skill first, and then you add that intensity or load. Um, so that's where that 155 pace or two minute per 500 meter pace turns into 148. And now you're holding the 148 and you're like, wow, I can hold this now because I practiced the skill of holding a single pace. So that's, that's my input, which is just stolen from CJ. Yeah. I'm probably similar. I mean, I, I treat it like a one rep max. So I go out and, and figure out my 500 meter time for any of them. And I view it like running, right? So if you said, John, I need you to go test a one mile and you got to run as hard as you can for a mile. And that's going to be your time, right? Then I can start working my way backwards from that. And I do the same thing here. If I say, all right, if 500 meters is my sprint, what's my fastest sprint? And now I can start working my way backwards, depending on how long that workout's going to be, right? So if I, it's like, again, where it's like running, if I can run a six minute mile for one mile, but I can't hold that for two miles, how fast do I need to run to be able to hold two miles? And I might have to slow it down to seven minutes and run three miles. I might have to slow it down to 7.30 and to slow it down to five miles. I might slow down to eight minute miles, right? And it's mm-hmm. the same thing here. I take that 500 meter and say, all right, if I know I can do 500 meters, and let's just say a minute 40, right? Or minute 39, whatever. And now I want to do a thousand. I'm going to need to slow that down to maybe a minute 45. And if I'm going to do 2000, I might slow that down to minute 50, minute 55. These are for me, by the way, not for everyone listening. No. And, and so on and so forth, depending on how long it's going to go. So like the example for me, 
I rode a marathon once just because, because I'm an idiot. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go roll a marathon. That sounds fun. Right. And I think I held a 500 meter pace of 220 for the full marathon. Now I can row a 500 meter and I think my PR is like a minute 33, maybe that's one 500 meter. And then I fall off the rower and I gasp for air for a few minutes. Right. But I can hold that 220 pace next to forever. Just sit there. And I literally just sat there and rode until I had blisters on my hands and the balls of my feet hurt, you yeah. know? And, and so that's all I think about is like, you just have to test, you know, find your one rep max and work your way backwards. And you absolutely have to track. You have to keep notes, write down how you felt, right? If you, and better yet, if you have some sort of wearable that can tell you your heart rate, that's really valuable information to know how high your heart rate went because over time you'll start to see those two things converge. So your heart rate will start to come down and your times will go up, you know, and you want to keep them kind of moving the same direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. You want, you ideally want your, either time to stay the same and heart rate is slower or your heart rate stays the same, but your times get faster. You know, like if, if I, if my, a great sign for me would be like, all right, if, if I'm rowing at a 150 beats per second or beats per minute, geez, per second, that'd be kind of, that'd be cardiac arrest. Um, 150 beats per minute for that two minute per 500 row. And then I get down to 150 or a minute and 50 per 500. And I have roughly the same heart rate that just shows like, all right, you're improving, you're improving your efficiency, your fitness, all the above. So I love watching like, you try to do math in your head on the fly here. It's really great. It's very it's difficult. Awesome. And I'm, math is hard. Um, <laughs> and then there, what was the second part of the question? Well, so how do you deal with big PR? So it sounds like, um, it sounds like what Anna's had going on here. She did a really good job with her first strength cycle. And now right. she's improved all her one rep maxes or all her strength PRs. Yeah. And now her second round of training, she's still working off percentages and it really sucks. So congratulations. Yeah. You screwed yourself. It's uh, like me every time that Vantage uh, programs a workout where it's like you do strength and then your Metcon is a percentage of the strength work. Right. And I'm always like that first part. I'm like, should I should I do that final set? I don't know if I like where this is going. <laughs> and then of yeah. course I do. And then I feel it in the Metcon. Um, so this is a common thing. Like if anyone's ever followed like a, a Russian squat program, um, like I feel like every aspiring CrossFitter has done small lav or hatch or something like that at some point, um, you'll run into this issue when you retest or when the percentages start to get a little bit more harsh, or when you have a, a breakthrough PR, all of a sudden now you've reached a new standard of excellence and those percentages no longer feel like a walk in the park. So there's a couple. I should you, note here that yeah. her PRs sound like they came on the C2 bike, whatever that's worth. Oh, okay. So like she's got a 30 average watt difference in her 20. Minutes. Oh, okay. 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 I didn't hear the watt part. I assumed, I assumed it was a squad program, but either way, my, my advice is the same here. Um, is there's one there's that is very common. So you're not alone. There's very much a mental gut check that happens when you like, when you achieve a great new standard of excellence, and then now you have to base all of your other performances off of that new PR, that new standard of excellence. That's a mental strength exercise, just as much as a physical. I remember doing it with squat programs or in your case, like doing it on, um, you know, a bike, 
it's it's not hard. So inherently, you shouldn't expect it to be as easy as it was last time. Because the last time you went through the cycle, you were actually stronger, you know, you're faster than you knew you were. Now you know how fast you are, and now the program is harder. That's just that's okay. If you can't hold it, then I would give yourself permission to adjust that PR that you're doing your percentage-based work or your wattage-based work off of. You can, let's say you're having a really bad day or you're not feeling as fit or this morning for my squats, I was like, you know what? My one rep max squat is you know 400, but both Derek and I were like, we're going to call it 350 today and then and we'll be fine with that. And that's what we did because we knew today we were not feeling any way, shape or form on point to hit that big number. So I would give yourself a little bit of leeway to maybe adjust your PR slightly, but you still should probably, depending on what programming you're following, it's still going to suck. And that's just, that's the nature of improving your fitness and then having to do fitness based on that improved fitness. That That's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. I would, I think there's two or three things I would tell her to think about. You could, to your point, you could scale it back a little. So give yourself a little grace and say, all right, if they're telling me to do, you know, 70% of this PR, maybe you have to do 65 if you don't think you can maintain it. I'm not sure that would be my first suggestion, but you may have days where you have to do that. I primarily do that in lifting. And I tend to do that more often in a snatch than any other lift because it's one that wildly varies by percentage. And sure. I did that this week, actually, they're like, you're working up to 90%. And I'm like, the hell I am. I'm not working up to 90%. Like, there's no way, you know, I just wasn't ready. The other thing you could do is you could go retest your PR quickly, just to make sure you weren't, a, you know, had a burst of adrenaline that gave you a PR that maybe was just like a one-time thing and then average the two. That's a definitely something you could think about doing. I don't like that one. Oh, I like that one. I don't like that one one bit. I'll tell you why I do it. I do that often for me, Ben, um, because I do have moments where you can have a, I've had, I've had like my one rep max snatch. I've not replicated it in five years, not Mm. even close. You have moments of brilliance. It's like a perfect golf shot. You're, you okay. might have had that moment. It's possible. I, I guess I just I'm wake sure. up in the morning and, and just piss excellence. I, I don't know. I, Sometimes it happens. <laughs> again, it's, this isn't my first recommendation, but it's worth, sure. it's worth thinking about if the, if the new cycle is so hard as killing you, maybe you got to go back and assess and talk to the coach and say, hey, can we pull this back a little bit or test yeah. it again and see. I've done that with, with my snatch as, a, you know, as an example. I can't, I can't hit that lift again. Sure. Just, so, and that's, so that's not the one RM that you base off of. And that's, no, yeah, there, no, I, just, I have a different one rep max. Like that was a PR, not my one rep max. Yeah. And that's something, that's something a lot of CrossFitters don't understand. There is a, there is a big difference between PR. Like uh, we think PR is, or like our one rep max is our lifetime PR. If you talk to any weightlifter who does any amount of weightlifting, that's not how it works. You don't like they're the weightlifters that are competing at the Olympics aren't basing their percentages off of lifetime greatest achievement PRs. They have training one rep maxes and then they base their training off of that. So that's something that is definitely nuanced and, and crossfit. We don't get too exposed to it, but I, yeah, I would agree with that. Like you do not have to, especially if it's causing misery and pain, right? Remember if we really look at the bird's eye view here, like we're trying to have fun here. 
um, in this weird twisted way. Like we're trying to have fun and we're trying to get more fit. If you just like beating your head against the wall, trying to hit these, these numbers and these percentages is causing you misery and pain, then just give yourself a little bit of leeway and, and make it hard. I'm not saying make it easy, but like make it hard, but it shouldn't be completely miserable unless you're someone who's trying to train for the games, in which case I'm going to be like, suck it up. You need to don't scale and bail. But for everyone else listening, remember our goal here is to have fun for longevity and to yes, to get better at the sport, but you got to have fun in the first place. So I would bump it back just a little bit. Yeah. I suspect though, I mean, we're talking about a bike here and not lifting, you know, you may just need to go chat with your coach and, and assess the percentages. This isn't like a, you know, I don't think per, I could be wrong. And if, if the people cycling feel free to educate me, but um, you know, I feel like I've always felt like the bike, my, I don't have a wildly different PR than my, you know, just go out and bike. You know what I mean? Like there's yep. the gap isn't that big. The gap is big in my lifts. Like I have a PR snatch and a PR clean that I've, I don't get near when I have to test in the sure. gym because I did those in competition or just under, you know, I had adrenaline going just a different thing. But. For sure. And I have, I have to include this one last time. Uh, it also, I don't know where your ability is listener. What was her name again? Oh, hold on. It was uh, Anna who hates that. Anna. It also could be a function of the programming. And I, here's how I know that there have been times at Vantage, and which I, again, I love their programming, but there have been times where Coop, the head coach, writes the programming for the general population of the gym. And that programming calls for like, we, we come up with a theoretical working one rep max for today, or, or we base it off of our working one rep max from the, from the past. And then the Metcon is a percentage of that one rep max. Well, there have been times where if I actually followed the percentages that he wrote on the board, like I would still be completing the workout months later because it, they're like almost theoretically impossible numbers. If you have certain levels of weightlifting strength. So like for one, it's like my clean and jerk is 315. And there was a one workout where we were doing reps at like 75%. It's like, there's no way I'm doing reps at 75% mixed in with a bunch of other stuff. Like I need to like belt up. I need to put like, I need to like, I need to be focused on weightlifting only if I'm going to hit those percentages. But for most other people at the gym who haven't had 12 years of weightlifting experience, they like their numbers aren't there like, full body's potential. So they were able to do that workout easily. So one thing to note is like, depending on your ability level, the percentages that are programmed might be great for people who weren't able to squeeze every last ounce of energy out on the last time you tested the PR. So it could be worth adjusting those percentages down because you did so well in the actual testing of it. So that's another little nuance there. The last thing you could do is just not go so hard in the PR test. Just saying, you know, <laughs> Hey, scale and scale and bail PR test. Yeah, that's just a- bail on the PR test. That's that solves all your problems. <laughs> solves all your problems. All right. Well, that's all our questions, Ben. Good job. This, these are great questions today. Yeah. I love these questions from listeners. So I would highly encourage you guys to keep sending them to us. It certainly makes us think. And for the record, Ben gets these on the fly. I don't prep him with them. He just gets to talk. So it's fun for me to hear your answers kind of unfiltered. And I just do math, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm going to go back and listen to this and judge your math harshly. To say <laughs> but 
my dad would be so disappointed. He's so good at math. All right, but well, yeah, these times. are great. I'm I'm absolutely loving it, and I'm loving all the people that I'm meeting. They're like, "Hey, listen to the podcast." I'm like, "Really? You do?" Um, mm-hmm. So please keep submitting questions. Uh, really good ones today. And the more details you can share, if you guys have noticed, and ladies have noticed listening, it's like when when you share a couple of those extra little details, it really helps us like craft the answer so that it's it's more accurate. So. Well, speaking of craft, you're probably about to go drink some craft beer and uh, watch the Ravens. Time to go watch my football team play. I am very excited. Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, which is when we're recording this. So, yeah, bad luck. And when you're listening in the future, I'm sure I'm sure the Ravens have already won. um, And I'm, you know, I'm I'm celebrating right there with you again. There you go. (laughs) All right. Well, this is fun, Ben. I appreciate your time as always. And uh, for everyone listening, appreciate you guys joining us. Send us questions. Either uh, you can send it via email, you can send it via DM, smoke signals, whatever. Uh, we'll be happy to hear them. So thanks also, for Also, come us. say hi to us in Austin. We'll be in Austin. I'll That's be in right. Austin from, from the 25th of October through the 1st of November. And I will be lonely without John, I think, until what, Thursday the 28th? Yeah, I fly in late Thursday night, and we'll be there all day Friday, all day Saturday. So if I'm still alive by the 28th of Thursday, then I'll be there for the Rogue Invitational. Um, if you're around, please shoot me message, shoot John a message, give us some recommendations of you know where we should go get barbecue. And then, oh yeah, we will be podcasting from the UCAN booth. So this is true. Doing a little meet and greet there. So and a meet and greet. All you right. Can come well, see how much shorter I am than John. <laughs> <laughs> How much is it? How tall are you? Um, it depends. Depends on which uh, which platform I'm writing my height on, but we'll call it 510. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, for everyone listening, we appreciate you guys joining us and we will chat with you guys next week. Peace.